Good morning. It's so nice to see you all this morning. Uh, thrilled to spend the next few minutes with you. Uh, Kurt said, you know, this is Advent, week three, which means we've already had messages on week one and week two. Uh, Advent week one, we heard from Alan, and he shared with us the, the story of how God meets us in the ordinary, and he renews our hope. If you recall, he talked to us about how Mary and Joseph, um, they were approached by an angel. Mary was awake. Joseph's was in a dream. And in a very um, challenging time in their culture, they said yes. They acted in obedience at a time when it could have been devastating for them. And then we heard from Kurt along the same lines, and he said, you know, these two were off just minding their own business and um, living their ordinary life, but God. Week two of Advent, we heard that God loves us amidst our broken places and pieces. When we humble ourselves to receive his love, we're able to love others and love grows. Humility is always easy, right? So talk about signs and wonders. We mentioned that the angels appeared to Mary. They appeared to Joseph in a dream. And they, an angel appeared to Zechariah. I don't know about you, but if an angel appeared to me, I might freak out. I'm sure they had moments of freak out. Um, but where were they going to go? What were they going to do, right? The angel's there. Elizabeth, on the other hand, becomes pregnant at a time um, when, according to our current standards, you might hear someone say um, her biological clock had ran out. Have you heard that saying? As a woman gets on up in age, well, our sister was up in age. And uh, her clock, for all intensive purposes, had ran out. Um, but God. So not only did that pregnancy happen for Elizabeth, after multiple decades of struggle, and just at the right time, not one decade too early or one decade too late, just at the right time, her pregnancy is used by God as a means of encouragement to none other than the mother of Jesus. Wow. You know, you never know. I'll give a little plug here for our struggles. You never know how, when, or with whom God will use your struggle to encourage someone else. So, it's week three, and I get to talk about joy. I won't ask for a show of hands but people are sometimes joyful this time of year and sometimes not. And so, you know, this is week three. We often hear joy to the world. The Lord has come. Many of us are familiar. How many of you have heard that song, Joy to the Lord, Joy to the World? Yeah, it's pretty common, right? People know about it. How many of you know that it's based on Psalm 19? Don't raise your hand. This is not a quiz. Just trust me with this one. It's based on Psalm 98, and um, I'll read just a little bit of it to you because I think it's important in the context of what we're talking about today. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. I want to say that part again. His right hand 
and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Verse 4 goes on to say, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. If you didn't study this a little bit, you might just think it's about celebration. It's about joy. It's about a jubilant song, right? Sounds kind of like it on the surface. But his right hand and his holy arm point to victory. This is a victory song. This is a victory song. Why? Because the trajectory of the world changed forever with the birth of Jesus. Our salvation is possible. Eternal life is possible. Eternal life with God is a gift. It's a victory song indeed. So we're just going to put this victory song on the shelf for a minute. And I want to read the anchoring scripture for this week's message. We heard it from Kurt and we heard it from Alan. And so we're going to listen to it again today. And this comes from Luke 1, 30 through 33. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Intellectually, most, most of us know that Christmas is about Jesus, right? We know that. Why do we know that? Well, we've heard the stories of his birth throughout our lives. We know why his birth occurred for the most part. We know from Scripture that Jesus came to earth to save us. If you've been in church at all, or around a church, you've probably heard that message. We know that um, he grew up. He had a highly impactful ministry. I mean, he healed the sick. He enabled the, you know, paralyzed to walk again, the blind to see. I would call that pretty impactful. He changed water to wine. He fed several thousand people with a couple of loaves of bread. I mean, the guy's impressive, right? Yeah, I mean, the dude did some good stuff when he was walking the earth. We also know that he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. We know this. We also now know that he sits at the right hand of God, interceding for us, and he will come again. This we know. These are stories we've heard. This is what we've been taught, right? This truth is what enables us this time of year and every time of year, right, to connect to the source of joy, which is Jesus. So what's all the hoopla about with Advent? What makes this season what it is? What's the Advent hoopla? That's an official word if you're wondering. If you consider the ads and what you see on TV, you might think it's about buying the perfect gift. You might think it's about buying discounts or a good deal. If you look at Pinterest, you might think it's about the perfect presentation. You will not find Pinterest-ready stuff in my house, by the way. I have no skill. I can't even take pictures and crop them right, so I'm in trouble. 
Um, and if you look into your family traditions, you, you might, or your family history, you might think it's about some of those traditions. Maybe there's a certain meal you eat, or there's a way you celebrate, or there's things you do, right? It could be any or all of that, any or all of that. But Advent, the word itself, is derived from the word adventus, which is a Latin word that means coming or arrival. It doesn't necessarily mean that the discounts are coming or that the, you know, trees are coming or that the gifts are coming, right? It's not pointing to those secular traditions. And there's nothing wrong with that. For all you Christmas people, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to redirect us to Advent for a minute. So... Advent represents, you heard Kurt use this word, and I want to just call it out. Advent represents a season of expectancy, not to be confused with expectation. A season of expectancy, celebration, and hope. And all of that, expectancy, celebration, and hope, here's the important part, that is connected to the birth of a prophesied Messiah. Expectancy, celebration, and hope is connected to the birth of a prophesied Messiah. And, of course, the subsequent ministry of Jesus. The, the rest of this that ensues, right, is what makes life possible for us. In Isaiah seven fourteen, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This scripture, which, by the way, was written some 700 years before the birth of Christ. That's just a minute or two of waiting, right? That's a minute or two of expectancy for this baby to come. And one of the names given to Christ, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This was pointing to both the human birth and his divine nature. Human birth and divine nature. So what's the big deal, right? We've heard this. Fully God, fully human, right? We've heard that. This is evidence of Old Testament expectancy and waiting on a New Testament Savior that would be coming in the form of, the ba of a baby. Now, I want to just, you know, we get excited when the weatherman can get the weather right, don't we? That prediction really turns our crank. We're like, yeah, it's going to be sunshine and low humidity in Houston, Texas. We get all pumped up about that. So if you could imagine for the people in the know, the people who had heard this prophecy, that story to whom it had been told over and over and over and over across the span of 700 years, this was exciting news. This is exciting news. So waiting what are we waiting on this Christmas season? What are you waiting on? Maybe it's time off from work. Maybe it's wrapping or opening gifts. Maybe it's eating a meal with those you love. Maybe it's the experience of this season. And if you're not a fan of the season, maybe you're waiting for it to be over. I know there are some who are not a fan of the season. 
I have to share a little personal story here, and I'm embarrassed to say that it's all completely true. <laughs> a few years ago, um, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and we were talking about Advent. Now, this friend of mine is like the woman of Advent. She is all about the wreaths and the devotionals and all the things, right? And I literally said these words, you know, Advent's really not my thing. I mean, God has a sense of humor that I'm up here talking about Advent. Isn't that kind of funny? Be careful what you say because it will become your thing. Um, but it's not that I don't love Jesus. It's not that. Of course, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. It's, it's my safe space, right? It's my happy place. It's all the things good that you can define in a word. But I was confusing expectancy of God showing up with the expectations of the world. I'm not a good decorator, y'all. I'm no good at that, right? And, and the relentless list of to-dos, where you got to go, the parties you got to go to, the white elephant gifts you have to buy, you know? I mean, who needs more lotion and soap? Raise your hand, right? Like, man, this, this stuff is, makes me crazy. What I've come to realize is that it's, it's not about the stuff. So when I said, yeah, you know, Advent's not my thing, what I should have been saying is, well, all the stuff's not my thing, right? But in a spiritual framework, Advent, anticipating the arrival, the coming of Jesus, is absolutely my thing. It's hard for some of us to value Jesus in the form of a baby because we already know all this groovy, great, wonderful stuff that he did, right, in his life and ministry here on earth. And until this point, reflecting back on Isaiah 7:14, it had all been foreshadowing prophetic announcements about the coming Messiah. It was hoped for. It was waited on. It was anticipated. All the people of God, all that they could do before that was speculate about his arrival. And as you've heard, many people thought he was going to come in the form of a mighty warrior. Let's see. Little screamer, mighty warrior. Right? Make that work in your mind. Noble king, great king. But remember... For those who were in the know, the anticipation built off of Isaiah 7:14, that is a prophetic pointing to what's coming, must have been very excited. We know that Jesus didn't, you know, enter the earth on horseback with sword and shield. He came as a baby. And that's significant in that by taking this lowly path, and oh, by the way, there wasn't a room at the inn either. So it was in a stinky barn, basically. I'm not sure you can enter the earth, enter the world much lower than that, but he came by taking that lowly path so that everyone, high or low, good or bad, broken or put together, would have an opportunity, right, to connect with him. So the virgin birth, I said earlier, symbolized Jesus' divinity. Coming as an infant 
symbolize his humanity. And this allowed him to take our place in the climactic moments of crucifixion and resurrection, the rest of the story, that we look forward to in terms of his life and purpose. We know the big picture story about Jesus, but I want to hold space for a minute for this baby. Let's just hold space for this baby. The Savior baby and the expectancy of his arrival, the anticipation of his coming. We're going to practice waiting because we all do that so well. That's a joke. Thank you. This baby, all babies are born with purpose, amen? Some are called to be preachers and teachers and doctors and nurses and lawyers and caretakers. And every baby is born with a purpose, right? This baby, this baby was born with a soul-saving purpose. Wow. This baby was born with a soul-saving purpose. And we can't fully appreciate the ministry of Jesus unless we acknowledge that he really, 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 really gets us. And he gets us in our struggles. He's not a far-off God. By entering the world the way he did, in the lowliest of the low, he came to experience life as we do. So the pain, the suffering, the love, the joy, even the anger, we heard about that. We have uninhibited access to a Savior who truly knows how we feel and what we need, even when we don't. When we know what we need or when we don't, he does. And in addition to... On top of, this is additive, in addition to the redemption of our souls, which is why this Savior baby showed up, he stands ready to provide whatever it is we need in our human condition. Is it grace? Is it mercy? Is it love? Is it hope? He knows, he knows the condition of your heart, your mind, your life, and he stands ready. This Savior baby stands ready. John 10.10 10 tells us, um, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So life abundant is linked to the expectancy of Advent. Not because of gifts and lights and presents and toys and all the things, although those things are great, but that life abundant is linked to the expectancy of Advent. In that, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we engage fully in the purpose for which this Savior baby was born. He came to redeem the world one soul at a time. He offers a redeemed life, amen? Salvation, eternal life, a life contextually that goes on forever. The here on earth, here and now, and then in heaven for all eternity, life. This is what we're offered, right, in the expectancy of Advent. In this super busy season, some of us can pile it on. We add stress on stress on stress. We say yes when we should say no. We think we need to buy all the kids one more gift so that it's all even. 
You probably should make it even, otherwise you might have a fight on Christmas morning. But there's just things, there's just so much out there that calls us into a frenzy, into activity. Jesus wants us to be still. He wants to meet us where we are. Whether the gifts are perfectly wrapped or not, whether the bows match, whether you have one more gift and that kid's type of paper ran out, now he's got to have a different kind of paper. I mean, are y'all relating to this or is this just in my house? I'm just saying. It's easy to add stress on stress on stress on stress about things that, I don't know, they really don't matter in the end, do they? If expectations of this season have hold of you, I want to invite you to toss them out. Toss them out. Lay them down. Get away from the expectations and lean into the expectancy of the word of God. Psalm 135 says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. This is about expectancy. It's about expectancy in the Lord. And every single thing else, if your plates match or if they don't, it can be changed or rearranged or modified. It's all right if you eat a different meal than you normally do. It is okay. And secular, secular participation is cool. It's great. I know there are some of you who probably finish your Christmas shopping in July. That wasn't me. That's cool. This may be your season. There are people that love this season. They love Christmas. They love Advent. They get excited, the waiting, the baby, all the lights and the bells and whistles. They love it, and it's their sweet space, right? For some of us, though, we struggle with all that stuff. It, it takes stillness of heart to wait on the Lord. But yet his word calls us to do it, to put our hope in him and in his word. God will meet us no matter where we are, what we're doing. And for that, we can live in full expectancy. We heard Emmanuel, God with us. They sing a worship song about Emmanuel, God with us. There's another song that I'm hearing in popular Christian music right now. And it's called Can't Get Away. And I want to just read a little bit of the lyrics to you. I won't take too long here, but I hope that this will land on you. I hope that in this season of busyness, when you forget, when you're stressed out, when you can't figure out how to get it all done. Um, maybe when you're hurting. Maybe when you've got real hurt. Maybe you've got real loss or real sadness. I hope that this will land on you this morning. It goes like this. Oh, where, where can I run? Where can I hide that you're not there? And you, you know my heart, all of my thoughts. You understand. I can't outrun your love. 
I can't outrun your love. I can't outrun your love. I can't outrun your love. You love me when I'm up. You love me when I'm down. Your love surrounds me. I can't get away. If we can anticipate that, if we can live in expectancy of that, knowing that God will meet us where we are, Emmanuel, God with us, not only is he with us, but he pursues us with nonstop love. Let us be encouraged. I just want to read Psalm 100, 1 through 5 really quickly because this is an invitation into the joyful presence of God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is an invitation, friends, into the joyful presence of our holy God. Our circumstances will change indeed and our human emotions will follow, right? We have happiness and sadness, happiness and sadness. Things are going good, then they're not. Then they're good, then they're not. But the everlasting promises of our God demonstrated throughout history will not land void in our hearts or in our lives when we posture ourselves in a way to receive what he has for us. This is the third week of Advent, and we focus on joy. Some of you may be thinking, how is it possible to be joyful when we're stressed or hurting or lonely or fill in the blank, right? I don't have enough money for gifts. I have too many people to buy for. Whatever your blank is, fill it in. But we can find encouragement in the word. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances, right? We know it's a fruit of the Spirit. We hear that in Galatians. But our joy is grounded in Jesus, right? Our joy is grounded in Jesus. So our circumstances ebb and flow. Indeed, they do. But Jesus is unchanging. He's unchanging. Therefore, our joy can be complete in Christ because he doesn't change even when our circumstances do. Jesus is consistent despite our highs and lows. Amen? Because we, we can have joy consistently because Jesus is consistent. And this is the incredible truth about why we can experience Advent with a sense of expectancy and looking forward to what we know about the redeeming life and work of Jesus Christ. This is the truth, friends. This is the truth. When we prepare him room in our hearts, we can expect God to show up. He's reliable, 
He's on time. He's just in time. Never early, never late. He will show up. And when we are willing to surrender expectations, which is kind of hard, right? That was kind of hard for me. Um, when we're willing to surrender expectations, we can trust him to meet us in the places where we need him most. I ask you this as we prepare to close this morning. Where in your life do you need to make room for Jesus? As we engage in Advent, as we anticipate the birth of a Savior, where in your life do you need to make room for Jesus? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your relationship with your kids? Is it at work? Is it in your home? Is it with the Lord himself? Today is about joy. It's about celebrating the anticipated arrival of a baby, a baby that was born with a soul-saving purpose, a baby that's fully human and fully divine, which means he really, really gets us, a baby that changed the world, a baby that makes joy possible regardless of circumstance. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. At this time, I want to invite the um, prayer ministry team forward. If you have any area of your life, if any of you guys are available to pray, please come forward. If you have any area in your life where you need to prepare him room this Christmas season, I want to invite you to come receive prayer. If there's any area of your life where you need to prepare him room, I want to invite you to come, see, come receive prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, and then you'll be released. But if you need prayer, please come on up and get prayer. Let us pray. Lord, your divine plan was perfect. This baby that came to us with a soul-saving purpose that changed the trajectory of the world was perfect. We thank you for your obedient prophets who captured your word 700 years before the coming of our Savior. Lord, we thank you that you are um, our source of joy. We thank you that no matter our circumstance, you are with us. We thank you that you'll show up in our highest highs and our lowest lows. Lord, we, we enter your presence with praise and thanksgiving, and we ask that as we prepare room in our hearts for more and more and more of you, Jesus, that our joy would be complete in your holy name. Amen.